0: We're reading from Bhagavad Gita, chapter 2, verse 56. Translation, one who is not disturbed in spite of the threefold miseries who is not elated when there is happiness and who is free from attachment, fear and anger is called a sage of steady mind. So a fully Krishna conscious person is not at all disturbed by the onslaughts of the threefold miseries for he accepts all miseries as the mercy of the Lord. And he sees that his miseries by the grace of the Lord are minimized to the lowest, similarly, when he's happy, he gives credit to the Lord, thinking himself unworthy of the happiness he realizes that it is due only to the Lord's grace that he is in such comfortable condition and able to render better service to the Lord and for the service of the Lord, he is always daring and active and is not influenced by attachment or aversion. Attachment means accepting things for one's own sense gratification, and detachment is the absence of such Sensual attachment. But one fixed in Krishna consciousness has neither attachment nor detachment because his life is dedicated in the service of the Lord. Consequently, he is not at all angry even when his attempts are unsuccessful. A Krishna conscious person is always steady in his determination. <speaking> in so here the mentality of the devotee of Krishna is being described when distress comes he feels that actually I deserve much more and the Lord is reducing it because I'm his devotee he's and that's a fact Krishna does say if you surrender to me, I will reduce. Yeah, we'll take away your karma. So we get a little bit of a token uh, of our karma when we surrender to Krishna. We don't get the full reactions. We don't get the full destiny that should have come to us. Uh, the Lord is merciful. So that's why the devotee thinks this is mercy. This is mercy. This is not what I should have gotten. It's much less than I deserve. Uh, but one who is not a devotee of Krishna, he will, he will think, oh, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? I am such a good person. Uh, and, uh, but the a devotee thinks differently. When he sees somebody suffering, he thinks, oh, it's better I suffer than that person. Just like Christ, he was thinking, let me suffer. Let everyone else be happy. So the devotee thinks differently. The devotee thinks, why not me? Why not? Better I suffer and let these other people be happy. So that's our philosophy, but sometimes it's difficult to realize this philosophy. There's a gap we see between our knowledge. We have theoretical knowledge. Yes, I'm not this body. So many things we know and our experience and our realization. There's a gap sometimes between that. And So when devotee expressed this to our spiritual master, Siddha Prabhupada, that, uh, you know, it seems like, you know, even I'm doing service, my body is affected by the modes of nature, and uh, I'm experiencing things. And Prabhupada said, yes, you are not experiencing, your body is experiencing. You're feeling cold due to the body, you're not feeling cold. And the body said, but I think I'm feeling cold. Um, (laughs) So then uh, Prabhupada said, you're thinking, that is illusion. You know the said, "So I should rise above that?" Brahma said, "Yes, but not artificially. But it is a fact. You have to gradually rise to that platform. Just like when you have a fever. Actually, you're not feverish. You're healthy, but the fever has come. And this feverish condition will not stay. It will go away. You will come to the healthy stage. So don't be disturbed by the feverish condition. Go on with your duty. Go on with your service." Don't misidentify, oh, now I'm feverish, everything is finished. Yeah. Mm. I saw one comic, uh, one, one man was had a fever and he was in the bed and he had his covers and the wife was serving him, oh, would you like this dear, would you like that? And then the next comic came, the wife had a fever and she had the thermometer in her mouth running up on the stairs with a load of laundry kit on her shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that happens. <laughs> so, we devotees have to be like the wife, that <laughs> we keep doing our service, even if we have a fever. Uh, but the fever is not simply the body's fever, the body is, it's a mentality of fever. Uh, it's feverish being in this material world, having things, is a, there's a fever to possess things. There's a fever to compete, to have the latest things, the latest phones. You have to have an iPhone 12 now. Is, I have a, a three and a five, and but now I had to get an eight because the apps weren't working. But I didn't need the 12, you know. I, you could get a, a cheap one, used one online. Um, but no, everybody, Yeah, my daughter-in-law had to have a 12 and and uh, yeah, so this goes on. So there was one uh, man, and his, uh, his servant was sick and his wife was sick. And they called a the doctor, and uh, the doctor said, oh, your wife only has a temperature of, I don't know, what is it? What's normal here? 37? 36.6. 36.6. Okay, your wife is only thirty-seven point six, but your servant, she has forty-one. So the wife got angry. She said, "I should have more fever, and this one should have less." <laughs> so that's how it is in the material world. I should have more, a better car, and more cars, and this and that. It's a fever. It's a rat race. Uh, so we have in uh, Gita it says, "What, what, you ha- what can you do when you feel this fever?" It's like seasonal changes, hot, sometimes hot, sometimes cold. Um, so pain and pleasure, but you have to tolerate it, don't be absorbed, oh, that's all, I'm, I'm in pain. No, we tolerate, tam sitik So one time our spiritual master, Sita Prabhupada, was sick, and um, for three days he was tossing and turning, he had fever, he had diarrhea, and after three days he became okay. He recovered and his servant asked him, so um, does a pure devotee suffer? And our guru said, it was a lover's bite. So what that means is he saw the hand of Krishna in it. Um, Just like at the time of death, it's quite different for a devotee of Krishna and for a non-devotee. I've seen many devotees die or leave their bodies and, and, and they're very happy and peaceful. And because, uh, there's an example, just like a cat carries a rat in its mouth. So that's compared to death for most people, a rat in the mouth of a cat is feeling terrible. The rat knows its end is near, a very painful death, doesn't know where it's going after. And And the kitten in the mouth of the mother cat feels protection, feels safety. Because sometimes the kittens stray in the wrong direction, so the mother picks them up and takes them back, and so back to home. And so we also, at the time of death, will experience being like a kitten in the mouth of the mother, that Lord is taking us to the spiritual world, back to home, where we belong. We strayed along enough over here in this material world, now we should go back to the spiritual world. So um, there's three types of disturbances. Aribotic, ari atmik which means um, we have disturbances from other living entities, people, mosquitoes, uh, flies. Now it's the fly season. Uh, and aridivic means uh, from nature. From nature, we have drought. Uh, we have uh, too over flooding, too much rain, too little rain, uh, too cold, too hot. So this is from nature. And we have also miseries uh, from our own body and our own mind, and they give us trouble all the time. So there, according to our scripture, Shima Bhagavatam, you can counteract these three miseries in, by doing three different things. So how to counteract the <clears throat> miseries from other beings? Other living entities by good behavior and freedom from envy, your behavior will protect you from these miseries. How do you protect yourself from nature, natural causes, earthquakes? Is that um, by meditation and trance? And how do you overcome adhi-atmik, or duty to your mind and body by practicing hatha yoga pranayam, like that, being regulated? you can overcome your bodily and mental distress. So let's talk about each one of these. First we'll talk about nature, meditation, and trance. Our meditation is the Hare Krishna mantra, which we were chanting. That's the meditation we have. And thinking of Krishna, that's our samadhi, that's our meditation while we chant. Um, So in India in 2013, there was a natural calamity up in the Himalayas, there's a place where um, people worship Lord Shiva, and there was an avalanche, and there was uh, flooding, and on both sides, there's a temple of Lord Shiva, on both sides everything was destroyed. Only the temple was protected when big rock came and fell in the back of the temple, and the temple was fine. Why did this happen? Because uh, uh, a few weeks before that, the government of India decided to move the temple of Parvati, who is the wife of Shiva, above Lord Shiva's temple. And she came to the Pujari and said, tell them not to do it. But they did it. And the avalanche came, (laughs) and she protected. Shiva's temple was protected, but everything else was destroyed. So during this... this, uh, Devastation during this avalanche, there was one um, devotee of Lord Shiva standing in front, meditation and trance. He was just meditating on Lord Shiva, and he was protected. he was fine. on both sides, everything was destroyed, and he was just standing there during the whole thing and meditating. Uh, we should have that <laughs> meditation on Krishna. So then the, the government came. There were lots of people up there because of uh, it was summer, and uh, maybe a thousand people were up there at least, uh, having darshan. And so they were sending helicopters to evacuate because the roads were finished. You couldn't go on the road. The roads were finished, the paths were finished, and uh, so they were evacuating the people. Then it came the turn of this yogi, and he, and he said, you can come now. Maharaj, come in the helicopter. He said, I don't need, I will walk. So <laughs> maybe he was going to go by his mystic powers, who knows. But um, yeah, it was completely depending on uh, the Lord uh, for his protection. And he was protected. So then the second distress, so that's meditation and trance for natural disturbances, uh, a Good behavior and freedom from envy, from disturbances due to other beings. Um, so you have to have friendly behavior. Um, if somebody is your superior, then you should serve them. Don't In the material world, if someone is above you, you want to bring them down. Just like when our guru went to Japan, he was printing books there, and he met one of the executives there, and he asked the executive, so what's your goal in life? So he took out a stack of calling cards for all the names of the executives there, and his was at the bottom. So he took his card out, put it on the top. That was his goal in life, <laughs> to be on top of all the other executives. Uh, no, but spiritual life is not like that. The more you serve, then the more you, you, you're you on top. It's different. It's opposite of the material world. So, um, But sometimes... Uh, Uh, We have trouble living together with other people, even in our movement. Um, You're supposed to be serving the elders, the seniors, having friendship with equals and um, helping those who don't know so much, the juniors, enlightening them, being merciful. But in the material world you compete with your equals and you try to uh, put down the juniors. So, no, we, we have to be um, equal to, our, to everyone, actually. So in, um, there was somebody who was complaining to Prabhupada, you know, I see in this movement, um, it's, um, it's so impersonal, some devotees are so impersonal. And Prabhupada said, you know, you can't expect here even here in this movement there will be utopia, because devotees are persons, so they have some lacking, but the difference is, Because they've given up everything to serve Krishna, their lackings have become transcendental because despite everything they do, their topmost intention is to serve Krishna. So one time I was in Juhu, Bombay. It was a very austere place because we had no place to live when we arrived. We were trying to build, we've got the land and we're trying to build a temple, but we had no place to live, no living quarters for the devotees. And uh, I arrived there, and uh, there was one hut which the men were living in. It was also the kitchen, it was the eating room, the prasadam room. It was everything in one. And the first day I arrived, you know, I had a bit of culture shock because uh, in Bombay from India, I was looking up at the ceiling, and there were these huge rats running across the the rafters. I was thinking, oh my God, what if one falls on my plate? And it fell in someone else's plate. And, and so I was happy, I shouldn't have been happy, but um, it did. <laughs> I like, Thank you, Krishna. Um, <laughs> and our, our drinking water was um, in a clay pot with a top, and you take off the pot and all these insects would fly up from it, and that's what we had to drink. And we all got sick. It, was, it only took three, four days <laughs> to get sick. I had urine infection. Uh, so that was the austerity. So one Dr. Patel, he was a friend of Prabhupada's, a friend of the devotees. He went and he begged in, in the uh, city center for mattresses, mosquito nets, sheets, pillows, and he donated them to the devotees. And uh, after, two years later everything was lost because, you know, they didn't have a door to their house. Uh, it would just It's India. It would be stolen. They didn't have any place. So he complained to Prabhupada, you know, they're not taking care of their health, they're not taking care, I donated all these things. And so this Dr. Patel, he was a little bit of an impersonalist, and he was discussing Bhagavad Gita with Prabhupada, and his, he he thought that the Lord, you know, that um, the supreme goal is to merge into the white light, to get liberation. Uh, and of course we want to, we don't want to merge, we want to serve Krishna. And so. <laughs> Prabhupada said to Dr. Patel, that liberation you want so much, these devotees already have it, <laughs> because we were detached, coming from America, and we were just sleeping on the floor. I slept on the floor for 18 years until I got pregnant and couldn't get off the floor. So then I, we found a broken bed with three legs after I was five months pregnant, and, that's, and we found some bricks and put under, and I, <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> that was in Bombay, uh, living in Bombay. And yeah, we were happy. The mats were quite comfortable in the heat, uh, yeah. And so uh, you can counteract due to other beings by proper behavior. So, um, then, so uh, meditation and trance for natural causes and with other living beings, um, that uh, proper behavior. And adhyatma, due to the body and mind. Um, so, it's recommended hatha yoga and pranayam. Now, our Shri Rupa explains what is pranayam. For the devotees, it's chanting Hare Krishna. That's our pranayam. Dancing and chanting, that is pranayam. That is, but also, of course, you need uh, some regulation. So, hatha yoga. There is a chapter on yoga here in Bhagavad Gita, chapter six. And it tells how to get free of the miseries of the body and mind in one verse. Um, Yeah, here it is. Uh, One who is temperate in his habits of eating, sleeping, working, and recreation can mitigate all material pains by practicing the yoga system. Yeah, so that regulation. If you regulate your eating, your sleeping, your working, and your recreation, then you can be free from miseries. So uh, I can give you two examples of how uh, devotees overcame their mental… First one is mental distress. Uh, this is also from Indoduna Maharaj, he was on an airplane in Africa, and they were coming in for a landing, and every time they would come in the the plane would violently shake and he had to abort and go back up. So the first time it happened, Maharaj was going, Krishna, Hare Krishna, really loudly. And the Christians started saying, Jesus, and the Muslims, Allah. The plane went back up. And Maharaj, next to Maharaj, there was a scientist. He said, Maharaj, I do not believe, Swamiji, I do not believe in these things. The plane went back down. Everybody was saying their names. The scientist was getting sick, turning green, and (laughs) they aborted and went back up. And the scientist looked at, Swa- at Mara. She said, uh, wh- what was that you were saying? <laughs> <laughs> and so then he said, Hare Krishna. He said, No, no, the whole thing, the whole thing. <laughs> Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hari Hari. So the pilot made an announcement, we're going to try one more time. And if we don't succeed, we're going to go back to where we came from. The plane went down, it started shaking violently. Everyone was chanting, even the scientist. And the plane landed. Safely. So Maharaj said to the science, Now do you believe? The scientist said, Maybe. He said, Here's my card. If you have any questions, you can. So, yeah, that's mental distress. If you're on the plane and it's in trouble, that's a big mental distress. I fly. I have been flying a lot. So, when when you get that turbulence, especially if you go fast down, (laughs) you don't feel good. So then another example of how you're, no, the physical distress, how that's overcome, overcome by um, the chanting and dancing. I was at a retreat in Nepal, and uh, it was nighttime, like around 7.30. Usually they would eat that time, but this was a special night just reserved for chanting and dancing. So there were 150 Nepali ladies chanting and dancing, ecstatically. But there was one Gujarati lady who, who said, you know, it's time to eat. Um, uh, where is the prasad where is the food? Nobody noticed her. And so she said, <laughs> okay, 8.30 she tried again, you know, mm, hungry, I'm hungry. Nobody noticed her. They were just chanting and dancing. 9:30 came. She went to them. No, this is it. I really need. Nobody noticed her. And she said, "Okay, okay, I'll chant and dance too." So she started. She joined them. I can't beat them. I'll join them. And she also forgot to do eating too. So that was. And, and you know. And so that it works. It works. The chanting and dancing works. It will counteract your misery due to your material body. So um, our spiritual master Sri Prabhupada said, there are three causes of disease. Overeating, anxiety, stress, and uncleanliness. Yeah, so if if you eat too much, you can get sick. If you're in too much stress, anxiety, it can make you sick. And um, if you're not clean enough, you don't now, especially with COVID, cleanliness is being stressed. You wash your hands for 20 seconds, and uh, so this is yeah, this is important. And so now, what is the attitude of the devotee? Uh, there is a verse in Bhagavatam which explains that. Uh, first of all, he hopes for the mercy of the Lord, hope against hope. And um, then, secondly, he tolerates. He tolerates all the reactions to his past misdeeds karma. He tolerates his karma. Our guru, Sri Prabhupada, went to America, he went on a boat, you know, it took him a month. Usually we go by plane a few hours, but he, he didn't have money for a plane. So he went and he begged from one ship owner, and she gave him a free ticket on the boat at the age of seventy. When most people retire, that's when Prabhupada started this movement, age of 70. Now I'm over 70, it really hits you. Uh, When you're over 70 you wake up and you think, okay, where's the pain going to be today? Is it my knees? Is it going to be my throat? Is it going to be my eyes? Today it was the eyes. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) you don't have a—that's life, over 70. and at any time, something can be taken away. You could lose your—I lost my hearing in one ear. It just happened, you know, in one day. You could lose something, you know, any, at any time without warning. You could lose your balance. Anyway, but he, at the age of 70, he went on the boat. And he had two heart attacks on the way. And that didn't stop him. That didn't stop him. He kept going. For one year, nobody was coming. And after one year, he started to get some followers. Uh, and he didn't give up. You didn't give up. So that's the third thing. Serve with body, mind, and words. You have to serve. You hope against hope for the mercy. Tolerate your past karma. Serve with your body, mind, and words. So Prabhupada did that. And if you do that, you will be eligible to go to the spiritual world. So sometimes um, uh, people wonder why do devotees suffer? You know, they should be free from their karma. But sometimes um, uh, the Lord even gives you a little suffering. Why is that? So here's a commentary by one of our acharyas from before Prabhupada. He said, yes, it is at night the sunrise becomes attractive. During hot summer, cold water gives comfort. During cold winter, warm water is nice. Lamplight's attractive in darkness. Not in the glaring light of day. And when when one is distressed by hunger, then food tastes especially good. So to strengthen his devotee's mood of dependence on him and longing for him, the Lord arranges for his devotees to go through some suffering. And when he comes to save them, then devotee, their gratitude and pleasure are boundless. So we hope, we tolerate, and we serve, and then we can go to the spiritual world, And that's our practice here. So one devotee asks, you know, I'm, I'm confused, because throughout your books and your lectures you say, when you become a devotee, you're on the transcendental level. At the same time, you talk about being affected by the of material nature. <coughs> Although I'm a devotee, practicing principles, devotional service, and I experience certain amount of transcendental pleasure. <coughs> At the same time, I feel affected by the modes of nature. How is it? I can be on the spiritual platform and still be affected by these modes. Prophet Prabhupada said, it's just like being on a boat. When you're on the boat, no one can say you're not on the boat. You're on the boat. But sometimes big waves will come and rock the boat. So your position on the boat may not be steady. Those waves are the modes of material nature and the boat is the transcendental level. You're on the transcendental platform, but sometimes the waves of material nature rock the boat and your position is not steady. So how will you become steady? You have to learn from the captain of the boat, how to steer the boat. And then, if you learn, you will be steady even in the greatest storm. So if you learn how to steer the boat, you can become steady even in the greatest storm of the material, the nature. So I have here something that one of my godbrothers wrote, the uh, uh, Swami. When problems come, here is a prayer you can pray to the Lord, a really nice prayer. My dear Lord, I cannot solve this alone. It is beyond my capabilities, intelligence, plans, ideas, etc. I sincerely request you to accept me as your surrendered soul and protect and maintain me. So protect means keep me in a situation where I can function. Keep me in a situation, yeah, because sometimes it gets overwhelming. Uh, Things hit you. Uh, And the problems of material existence don't upset my life that much. So that that's a good prayer, <laughs> and maintain me means maintain me on the spiritual platform. If you do this one simple step, a very interesting thing happens. Maharaj said, the problem which looks so big, like oh now my life is finished, will start to shrink until it's the size of a calf's hoofprint, which you can easily step over. So we should try to keep the mentality of the devotee hope for mercy and tolerate the conditions of this material existence and at the same time keep on with our service in, uh, to the Lord. And then we'll be eligible to go to the spiritual world and even experience the spiritual world before we, while, we, while we're here. Okay, so I'll stop here if anybody has any questions. Is that a question? Yes. I couldn't see behind him. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the beginning, you we were talking about how uh, not to do things artificially. Yeah, Prabhupada said that, yeah. There was a gap. Yeah. But, but also, Prabhupada was saying one time on the Bodhi setting, I don't like to bow down. Oh, right, 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 you know, right, right, right. Prabhupada right. says, bow down and then the mm-hmm. feeling will come. So then, doesn't that kind of. Um, you should try, you know. Well, my understanding is that he meant it a different way. Um, so uh, when he says you can bow down it's in the sense that imitation is a good thing, imitation. but what he means by artificial oh I think I just lost it. <laughs> I think I had it and now I lost it. what he means by artificial oh yeah, if you um Pretend that you're on a higher level than you are. You pretend that you're a very advanced devotee, uh, but you're not. So that's artificial. Pretend like some devotees—we <laughs> I, I, were doing that in the early days. Um, <laughs> we <were> pre- <laughs> it was Boston. There was snow outside, and every day we had to circumambulate the temple barefoot. So we would go out in the snow <laughs> in the early morning when it was, you know, I don't know what temperature, maybe zero, um, over here or below zero, and go around the temple. <clears throat> That's artificial. We weren't on that level, you know. We were getting sick. <laughs> so we were, we were pretending we were on a higher level than we were. Uh, we could tolerate the cold. And sometimes devotees do that. They just do. You think they're on a high level. Like they, they on a Kaddish day, they'll fast with from water and food. Next day, they'll feast and sleep. So I think that's what he was saying. Not don't artificially tolerate if you're not on that level. But imitation is a good thing. Imitation is a good thing. He would say that. Oh, um, even if you don't feel like it, you can bow down. Imitation is good. Oh, sometimes if somebody was criticizing. Oh, these people, they're just. Imitating, they're not really, a, or somebody was saying, this devotee, he's not a real devotee, he's just imitating. And prophet said, no, imitation's a good thing. So in, that's, that's, in that sense, it would not even, you might think it's artificial, but I think the real meaning of artificial is that, trying to be above your level. Mm. Yeah. So should we, should we try to? Uh, We can imitate, but don't imitate, you know, yeah, you can imitate bowing down and dancing when you don't feel like it, but don't imitate, uh, like, accepting donations and, (laughs) (laughs) it might be artificial, but, (laughs) yeah, when you accept donations, you could. Get the karma if you're not careful, yeah. just like um, you're working at a job, so you give a certain percentage. So if you think, "Well, it's OK, I can just work and be a devotee," then that would be artificial. Without you think, "I, I don't need to give a donation. I'm already a pure devotee. I can just work and do different things and still be a devotee. <laughs> Another example. Hmm any other questions Okay Jai always to shoot proper Krishna so we can uh,